Well, I heard a noise. What noise? You know, blah. What blah? From the bathroom. Oh, you think she was refunding. Every time we go out to eat, the minute we're done eating, she's run into the bathroom. So you're concerned? Of course I'm concerned. I'm paying for those meals. It's like throwing money down the toilet. In a manner of speaking. June 4th, 2023. Hello, my friends. Hi. How you doing? How are you? Yes, how are you? Things are very weird here with the writer's strike and, and whatnot. I don't know if, if you don't follow us on social media. I've been going out and picketing, and it's been, uh, it's been something. Yeah, and so everything's weird, and yeah. not a lot of work is happening, yeah. and no one's sure what to do or what's okay yeah. to do. I mean, like, no work is happening in yeah. live action. There's still some non-WGA animation things going, yeah. but some aren't going. Yeah, everything's there's a weird, mess. weird. There's gray areas. You gotta ask the WGA about those. Yeah. It's like... It's a mess. It's, it's really strange. I hope you don't have to deal with that. You probably don't, statistically speaking. But... Strikes are good. Power to the people. Yeah, this is... Worker rights. This is a good strike. It is. You may not... You also may not know, but, like, there's no such thing as a middle-class career in Hollywood as a writer anymore. It doesn't exist. It's impossible to live on. It's not a livable salary with the way they've done things, and it's it's a whole big mess. Right, so. and the studios just keep grinding writers yep. down, paying them less and less and yep. less, and the bare minimum that they're yep. contracted to pay them. While and... keeping you... On hold for a long time, so you can't get another job, and then you have to make a twelve-week job last for a year in pain. It's it's just a and nightmare. Like, most people couldn't do that anywhere, let alone right in Los Angeles. Yeah, where the cost of living is so ridiculously high. Right, right. So, and of course, we're talking about television mostly, and features. You know, the WGA is mostly television, but it's television features features. as well. And yeah. it's the strike points are for everyone. It's, and yeah. It's a mess. But you have been slightly educated on the matter now. Maybe. So. I mean, if you want. If you don't want to listen, you could just go la 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 wait till we get to the other stuff. Or they could turn this off. They could. This is the first podcast you've ever heard where we suggest <laughs> turning it off. Don't listen to this. What I are you mean, doing? What are you doing? I'm sorry. <laughs> turn it off, Jillian. Okay. That's our, our running joke, you see, if yeah, you're a new yeah. listener, that Jillian is our only listener, even though we have, like, five now. So. Yeah, we do. We do have okay. five, five listeners, and we appreciate each and every one of you. But turn it off. Okay. <laughs> so the biggest news that we have is that The Pendant Shakespeare's Henry VI Part One has a premiere date. Yay! That's very exciting. I've listened to the first episode, as directed by Jeff Robinson, and it is fantastic. It's so good. Yeah. You're going to love it. So, um... I think we mentioned before that rather than split this play by acts, because the acts were very weird and not uniform lengths, um, it has been split into chapters by the dramaturg, uh, Morgan Z. Soul. So uh, there's going to be seven chapters. And chapter one of Henry VI, part one, will premiere on June 14th, later this month, just a few weeks. How about that? Nice. I love a premiere date. Yeah, don't we all? So you should listen to that, and, and then it'll be running, you know, monthly uh, for seven months, and then they'll have some more sonnets like usual, and you'll enjoy it. And onward we go. That's not a question. You'll right. enjoy it. It's just a statement of fact. Yes. Okay, and then my new favorite thing. 
It's, I guess it's not really <laughs> new anymore. I've been talking about it for so long. It still feels new. Okay. Mage and Machine made it up to number 17 on the sci-fi charts in Germany. Oh, hello, Germany. Guten Tag. Oh, my God. I didn't think I would remember what that was. I pulled it out. That's hello, right? Isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Look at me. Maybe I know it's stuff. good morning. Oh, I don't know. German people tell us. Oh, no German people listen to this show. Okay. Um, the That's king- true. They don't listen to this. They were listening yeah. to other stuff. Right. <laughs> the Kingery made it up to number 18 in sci-fi in Sweden. Hello. And Genesis Avalon Patriot made it up to number 13 in sci-fi once again in Hungary. Hungarians always coming through for us. Nice. Yeah. Okay, but that's it. That's all the rest of your news for for June, so you're not getting any more out of us. Ta-da! From Orlando, Florida, we have Cat Pride on the line. Hello, Cat. Hello. How are you? I am. I'm doing really well. I'm very tired, but other than that, I'm doing great. <laughs> I apologize. My my chair is like exceptionally squeaky today, so I apologize for. Oh, there we go. For for all of that. It's all good. It's all yeah, good. Yeah, today's been a long week, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yes, today has been a long week. That is true. <laughs> You know, it's a rough week when the the one one day of the week is enough to make you go, that's it. I'm just going to turn in the rest of it. We're done. Yep. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> How are things down in uh, Orlando? Well, um, let's just say that <laughs> when I started question these days, when I started writing Patriot, the intent was it for it to be uh, fiction, not reality. So that's how it's mm-hmm. going. Um, it, right. No, I mean, I mean, I will, I will, I will say that the the weather is currently beautiful, and Orlando is still the city beautiful, and I love being here. Um, and I, I am very proud of the people in my city who are standing up for what they believe in. Um, for anyone who's in Florida, shout out to Hamburger Marys for suing DeSantis. That's awesome. Um, just, you know, go for it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so, um, so it's been, it's been a wild ride. Um, but, uh, I'm still here and I'm still writing and I'm still directing and still trucking along, still telling the stories. There you go. And we are glad that you are. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) It's been a while since you and I've gotten to, um, chat, uh, with you in the hot seat. So, um, and part of that was by design, um, yes. Because, um, let's see. Avalon ended January 29th, two thousand fourteen. <laughs> yes. And we had a short hiatus to the first episode, not the not the shorts, but the the first episode that aired January twenty sixth, two thousand twenty two. So just shy of eight years. Yep. <laughs> yep and originally it was supposed to be coming back in 2020 and then this thing happened mm-hmm. that sort of threw everybody's schedules about two years delayed so um it was going to be six years but yeah it was we did manage to get it out at least like to the to the month almost exactly back mm-hmm. on the, the same cadence as the you know leaving off from the last episodes so that was cool was, was that something that you wanted to do specifically or was that 
Um, so, so, so Tilly and I had, had talked about the schedule and she had given me like options and it wasn't Mm -hmm. perfect. Like it wasn't explicitly intentional, but what we did decide was we wanted it to go back to the same schedule of of having it be the last, the last Wednesday of the month. Um, because that Mm -hmm. was where it had been traditionally. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and when we realized that we were, we were lining it up nicely, I was like, Ooh, it'd be cool for it to come out the same month that the show ended. And she was like, yes, we're going to do that. So yeah, it was was sort of a organically designed, but, um, I, I mean, (laughs) Tilly makes the release schedule for all I know, she's sitting there, sitting there, shaking her head going, no, I had it planned the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) It's all part of the master plan. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) It's the joys of having an executive producer. I don't have to worry about that. She worries about that. She mm-hmm. just tells me I got to turn stuff in. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's talk about going from Aval- Genesis Avalon to Genesis Avalon Patriot. We know it's not really, I mean, it's eight years ago, so, or more now, um, since the show ended, that the last half of, or sorry, the first half of season four was about what kind of set this all up. Did you know back then how far this was going to go? So um, when I started conceptualizing season four and I knew that I wanted to do King Arthur, by that mm-hmm. point in my life, because originally Avalon was going to be three seasons, kind of ending with Obsidian with the idea that I w- might do more. Um, and, and you know, as, as life moves on, I met Chris during that time frame while working on the show and she mm-hmm. was playing Lilith. And, uh, and we started collaborating together to actually write Avalon uh, through season four because... Uh, during the first three seasons, I told her, I was like, you know, I've got this idea of another season, but I just don't know if I have enough to fill it out. I don't know if anybody would want to hear it. And she was like, well, Hey, th- you know, throw it at me. Let me hear it. And I sort of spun the King Arthur side of it and the whole idea of Morgan Le Fay. And, and then I said, and you know, and on top of that, I've been, you know, playing with this whole, like no more heroes sort of, you know, very much the anti-mutant sentiment of like the X-Men. I knew Mm-hmm. That, that was kind of where I originally had no more heroes going was this very much like, you know, you're, you're muty scum kind of thing. Um, and uh, while we were talking, uh, Chris was like, well, I, you're not going to believe this. I actually have some characters that I think would do really well in that universe. And I was like, oh, really? And Chris told me about Patriot and Minuteman and Vanguard because they were characters that Chris had designed years ago and kind of just sat on a shelf. Um, because Chris is very good at, at designing characters and concepts and then not necessarily ever coming with a, a fully fledged plan, but that's so, part of what makes us a good, good writing. Can, can I interrupt with a quick question? Mm-hmm. The stuff that Chris came up with, was she coming up with them for Avalon at that point on her own? Like, uh, no. So like the concept or just concepts out there? No. So the concept of, of Patriot and Minuteman and Vanguard all predated her meeting me. But the moment that I mentioned where, the world of Avalon was, she was like, oh man, I have these characters that would fit right into that universe. Can I tell you about them? And when I told her, I was, when she told me, I was like, oh my God, I have an idea. And that, so, so she kind of brought the, the characters to me with the concepts of like what she knew she wanted their character arcs to be. And mm-hmm. from there, I sort of 
pulled her in and we drafted together the concept of um, what kind of world would you have to set up in order for these characters to exist? And I knew that um, I wanted enough of a setup in season four that for one, I knew I was going to, I knew I, by that point, I was ending the show with Avalon and Exodus in, in the UK with King Arthur. And I wanted it to be definitive enough that you weren't wondering if they were going to go back to the US right away. So that's part of why things go so tragically, terribly so fast in mm-hmm. the US is it's not just that Morgan Le Fay is getting involved. It's not just the Calhoun's getting involved. It's everything. It all comes crashing down. And we knew it was because we were setting up for the world that Patriot would have to exist in. And so, so yeah. So when did the voice of freedom become Vanguard in your planning? So I can tell you now that Van, the voice of freedom, AKA Casey was always Vanguard. We knew that when we created the character. So, so I knew the whole time I was writing this character, you're all hearing a superhero before she becomes a superhero. So it was more of the, yeah, it was more of the whole kind of like setup of, of Avalon is not the only hero. She's just the first one to go public. And so I, Mm -hmm. I wanted I wanted you to get to know Casey and to see sort of this freedom fighter building up the beginnings of a, of a rebellion against a tyrannical government um, kind of before, you know, call, you know, because she's the Vanguard. So the, the whole concept of the Vanguard is it's the, it's the voice that's, that shouts the warning. It's the first person calling out that there's, that there, that, you know, that the army is coming. And so we wanted, we wanted the voice of freedom to be sounding the alarm bells before you, the audience, even knew anything was really wrong. So that's that's mm-hmm. why uh, Casey has been has been Vanguard, the voice of freedom the whole time. And that was just a stroke of luck in that by the by the time I was even writing season two, Chris and I had already long since talked about the show and and uh, and and had been together for a while. So we were already writing a lot of stuff together. So it was it was a very near, very natural thing to kind of just organically build that into the story. Well, it worked out really well then. It, it did. <laughs> and I'm very lucky that my cast came back. Thank you, Anna. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, let's talk about everybody's coming back. Every, um, nearly everybody's come back. Yes. Yep. The, um, uh, the only actors who did not come back were ones that uh, were, were out of the biz, as it were. Mm. Okay. Well, that happens. I mean, it was... It was eight years. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. At the time that I floated it to everybody, it was still six years. And I knew that in that time, some folks had, you know, their careers had gone vastly different trajectories. And then some folks had officially retired and no longer even had the equipment because mm-hmm. it had been a hobby that they they had since kind of given up. And, you know, I, I that's why I told them, that's why I came to them first and asked them if they wanted to come back. And I appreciate anyone who told me to like the two of you who might be listening. I appreciate that you told me I really appreciate that because I was able to work around it and that, that, that worked out very well. But I knew, I knew going in, I didn't want to have to recast anyone if I didn't need to. I wanted as much of the original cast back as I could get. Well, I think it's a testament to the show. And look, I've, over the years of doing these interviews, I've made 
no secret about how I feel about <laughs> this show. But um, I, I do think it's a testament to the show that so many of the cast were just, yeah, I'm coming back. Yeah, it was and, um, it was overwhelming uh, to and, get those emails back. And some of some of our voice actors are like legit professional voice oh, actors yeah. doing stuff that yeah. I'm looking on IMDb going, oh my God, she's in this. And oh my God, he's in that. You know, I mean, it's just, and they're coming to do some more pendant stuff, which is yep. freaking awesome. So yeah. I think that's a testament to the work that you've done, Kat. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I am. Um, as I see it. Thank you. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I, I uh, I'm just really happy that the the you know the folks who worked on the original show loved their characters as much as I loved them, and I'd like to think if anything you know, if I had any small part in them wanting to come back because of like the quality of my work, I would hope that it's because they loved playing the characters so much because those characters mm-hmm. are so much fun. So, um, but yeah, it is it is wild, and I have loved every second in my in the break between Avalon and Patriot because I didn't lose touch with any of those folks it has been mm-hmm. absolutely wonderful watching their careers explode after Avalon um because I know that a couple of them have flat out told me that I was the reason they got into VO work and so to know oh, that wow. they're professionals now um and that Avalon was like one of the first things they ever got like on the voice acting alliance way back in the day it's a very very humbling feeling. And I'm, I'm incredibly, I'm incredibly grateful for that. And it, it sort of breaks my brain when I talk about it for too long. <laughs> cause, cause I'm just like some chick in Orlando who has like a day job. <laughs> like I don't, I'm not a professional VA. I'm not a professional audio engineer. I just like, I hang out and I do stuff. I have cats. I cross stitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And the, and it, and it turns out you set up this show not knowing how apropos it was going to be. Uh, yeah, that that's actually like that's that's kind of the hardest part about writing the show, honestly. And I remember saying that when I started like posting about working on the scripts for season one was, you know, I, the thing that made so so we've talked famously you and I, Jordan, about how every so often you'll poke me and go, where's the sequel to Avalon, Cat? Where's the sequel to Avalon? When are you going to work on a sequel, Cat? Yeah. And and for years, I was just, just kind of like, I know, I know. I just needed a break. I needed to figure it out. And it the was- first it, time I asked you about it, you said you were going to take a year off. I know. Very, Avalon very and, long, and several years. I mean, in that time, I like moved to states and, and mm-hmm. got married and life was very weird for a while because I was happens. doing all, all sorts of things. But- but honestly, what what shocked me more than anything else was um, when 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 like like I went from not knowing how I was going to do Patriot to looking at the world around me and going, it doesn't matter if you know how you have to do it, you have to do it. Yeah, now's the time to do it because this is exactly what you were what you were worried about happening. And so like, I, I sat down to outline Patriot with just the, what we knew we had set up and what Chris and I had talked about. And I think I pounded out the outline in an hour and a half. 
and sent mm. it to Tilly with zero warning. <laughs> she had no idea it was coming. Like we hadn't <laughs> talked about the show in years. And I was like, hey, remember that sequel for Avalon that I told you I was going to work on? Boom, here it is. And she was like, oh, uh, I guess we should talk about this then. <laughs> um, but but it was definitely a case of um, when we came up for the concept of it, we did not think that the country was going in the direction it was. We were definitely not thinking oh, that yeah. 2016 was going to go the way it did. and so. When, when 2016 went the way it did, um, I spent the first like two years kind of heads down, just trying to survive. And, you know, at the end that time I moved to uh, Orlando and we experienced tragedies of our own, um, mm -hmm. you know, being, being LGBTQ and being there when the pulse, uh, pulse tragedy happened, uh, was a very strange and, um, disembodying experience in a lot of ways um were you at pulse when it happened no no thankfully okay. uh you know we weren't we were not at pulse but um oh, thank we God. already we already lived in orlando mm -hmm. and the part of town that uh chris was going back and forth to for work um was was it was one of those things of when you hear when we heard about pulse you're immediately checking to figure out what area of town that's in and like, mm -hmm. I remember Chris calling me and going, I'm not, I'm not near there. You're fine. I'm coming home. So, um, but yeah, I mean, all, all that to say, um, I did not expect Patriot to be a model off of existing behavior. Originally it was supposed to be like a dark version of what could happen if the country backslid into fascism and authoritarianism. And mm -hmm. now the show is more of a rallying cry for us to stand against it. Yeah. Definitely. So let's talk about Patriot a little bit. Um, the character. Yes, do let's. <laughs> <laughs> um, he is very different than I think I was expecting to see paired up or mirrored off of Jaina. Yeah, they uh they are a bit of a of a clash, the two of them, but but in a fun way. Um when you were when you were designing his personality and where he's at, um, like emotionally as an as a character, what what was what was your influence there for what he was going to be? So um a lot of it was, I, I will be honest, that that a lot of Patriots character arc and personality and a lot of Minuteman both are heavily designed by Chris. So mm -hmm. you'll probably get a very much more in-depth answer when we inter when when you do get the interview with me and Chris or you get a chance to interview Chris separately mm -hmm. because she'll have more to say on the subject. But um you know we both wrote the character so so um we both kind of came at it from different angles. Um, but for me um a lot of what I, I felt about Patriot came from the, the expressions of anger that was righteous anger mm -hmm. that we saw coming out of the, the George Floyd protests. And even, even way predating that because, sure. um, because this is not, you know, obviously it's not the first 
right. that, that ha that's happened. And none uh, of this is new. Exactly. And, um, but, 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 um, there, there was a, there, there was a, a viral video that I remember really hitting me hard during the George Floyd protests of, it was, it was three, three black guys of different ages. It was basically like that classic, like granddad, dad, son sort of dynamic. Mm -hmm. And it was the son, or it was the dad talking to the, the granddad, I think. And, and they were yelling at each other. And then the grandfather turned around and was yelling at the son about the protest. And finally, the dad said to the kid, you have to find a better way to do this because his way didn't work and my way is not working. So you have to find a way to make it work. Mm. And in watching that, I kind of went, that's sort of the relate, like, like that middle person mm. isn't really in the dynamic between John and Ben yet, but that relationship mm. of here's the, the, the very, like, like someone who did everything right by the book was told to do things a certain way, did them that way. And is still being unjustly targeted. And so they just, they swing right into the fine, fine. You want to fight? I'll give you a fight. That was John. I knew that that was what we wanted from John. And, and we wanted Ben to temper him because Ben has, has, you know, the, the, for one thing, that's part of his character as, as Minuteman, but also that was the, the, the father son dynamic that I wanted from the two of them was here's, here's a son who's watched his father go through unspeakable pain that he shares, but they're handling it in two totally different ways. Um, I, I could probably sit here and talk about other influences for the character of John, mm -hmm. but um, like I said, I really want to let Chris, I think, kind of lead on that. And I will say that um, while we had this, this, the, the season locked in and already written, um, there has actually been a lot of really awesome nuance that Juwan has brought to the character that mm -hmm. was not written on the paper that has made the character even more rich than where he started. And I think that's a huge part of like how that informs how I've been writing him in season two. So that's, that's been, that's been pretty wild. Um, Juwan's done a fantastic job with that role. This just blows my mind every time. Yes. Yeah, he has. Um, I've got to do an interview with him a few months ago. Yeah. I, I need to finish listening to it. I started listening to it and then I got mm -hmm. busy writing scripts. So <laughs> <laughs> got to finish that. We, we, judges. Yes. We'll accept that. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you. It is the script. He is in it. <laughs> Um, the idea of, I, I mean, you know, I could go on and on asking questions about this show. The, um, th this one surprised me. So I want to ask about this, the okay. idea of there kind of being a break between, it seems like all of the Avalon characters that were associated with the Pantheon, with the Tuatha Dé Danann. Mm-hmm. Um, there's seems like there's been a break between them and the the Tuatha. Um, what what prompted that? I mean, that's that's that really surprised me when we opened up that way. Yeah. So so and 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 we did set it up at the end of Avalon, but it's not like explicitly clear. But you know, we we went the direction 
of really kind of, especially towards the end of season four, you watch Jaina struggle a little bit with how much the Morrigan wants from her. Because Mm -hmm. one of the most interesting things I find about myths about the Morrigan is how demanding of a patron she is like this is a this is a goddess that like sat in front of Cullen while he was dying and was like ha ha you should have listened to me she then was said so um so we already knew that the 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 end game about Arthur was that Tim had to make the call that humanity needed to be able to govern themselves mm-hmm. and so when we were talking about what we wanted to do with Patriot when we were finally like, okay, well, we know that Tim sort of like tells the two off, no, you don't get to flood the world. That's it. I'm going to handle this. Let me handle it. And then we had, you know, six years of a break for the show. And so when mm-hmm. we came back and I actually sat to outline it, for me, the more compelling story was, was, was that, you know, they don't have medallions anymore. Those were destroyed in their escape. Right. And the last time that they used their powers, they were taken over bodily by the gods that they are, that there are their, that are their patrons. And mm-hmm. the reality of it was I kind of, I kind of drew from my own home experience of, of life, life. When you have a lot of minutia to deal with, it's very easy to stop, uh, to stop thinking about a certain component of your life, to just like compartmentalize that away and put it away. And for Jaina and Sam, that's what happened. Um, they got to the UK. Everything became about helping Tim, getting Tim set up. The knights are all empowered, not because of the Tuatha de Danann. They're empowered because of Tim. Tim himself is the once and future king. So they all still have right. all their knightly abilities because he called the round table forth. So I wanted to really focus on this and, and this goes towards Patriot too, is like on the, on the Patriot side of things. A lot of this story is about the power of divine intervention versus the power of the human spirit and human will. And, and it's that, that whole adage of all it takes for evil to triumph is for one is for a good man to do nothing. Right. It's very much that kind of a story. And so I wanted to start Jaina's journey with, well, um, you're, you're a good woman. Don't do nothing. You need to remember that you can do things outside of being Avalon. And so because, because we knew that it was going to be such a long time gap and that the last in, in real experience that she had had with the Morrigan had been one that was kind of violent. Um, it, it, it's sort of that whole, you didn't talk to a friend for a while. And then every time you go to try and talk to them, it just seems more awkward. Cause you're like, mm-hmm. man, what do I say? It's been so long. Maybe I just shouldn't talk to them. And then you're like, oh, I miss that person. I should talk to them. Oh, but it's been so long. And that's sort of where the break between the two Atha and the Avalons came from was this concept of just like, well, the longer you let it sit, the, the more that, that relationship just deteriorates until Jaina herself doesn't think that she has it in her anymore and that she's not really the priestess of Avalon. Okay. The wheels are spinning in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't even know if I answered that question. Um, hopefully I did. Um, but like, I mean, I, I wanted, I wanted the story, you know, the, the, the whole thing about Patriot was that it's, it's all about, 
inspiring the average everyday person to be greater than themselves. And I wanted to make sure that every character in the show in some way, shape or form is having that own journey within themselves. So Jaina is having that journey of trying to reconnect with her, with, with, with her spirituality because it's a tool and because it's very different to believe in gods versus empirically know that they exist. Um, And so that's sort of her struggle is, you know, you know, the Morgan exists, but do you trust the Morgan anymore? I don't know. Do you? (laughs) um, Does the Morgan trust you? Like, do you even have those powers? And uh, a lot of it is also about, I'm going to, I'm going to tangent for just a second. A lot of this story is also about privilege and about how privilege affords you the opportunity to put blinders on. And that's a lot of Jaina's journey when she gets to the U S is, and I mean, and John calls her on it flat out when they meet, he's like, uh, I wasn't white enough for your problems. Like I, I never even like, like, like the people, the, the problem of the average everyday citizen in the U S was not a problem Avalon thought she could solve. Her focus was on demons and oh. obsidian and these larger than life issues. Mm-hmm. And, and the reality is, is that when you, when you focus that much on these larger issues, do you feel like you've done enough for the individual people and for other people that may have also still needed your help, but you just didn't, didn't hear them? Or in Jaina's case, she can't, she literally can't do everything, but she's a hero. So she thinks she can. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of guilt about not coming back. There's a lot of, a lot of recognition from Jaina's perspective that she was, she was privileged. She was a super powered hero with gods telling her what, what battles she needed to fight. And so she fought those battles and she did not consider the other battles that she could have fought with her privilege as being this hero who who inspired people so like i said it's all there's a lot of stuff a lot of stuff in there that that is i always knew i wanted to tell in the story but i also don't know that i would have been mature enough to tell it six years ago much less eight Mm. will we get some kind of explanation about Patriot, Miniman, and Vanguard and how their powers are sourced differently than the others who are Pantheon-based. Yes. So, so I can tell you that season two is the, is, is, uh, we were talking about this a little bit before the interview. It's the lore heavy season. Um, Like a lot of, a lot of the questions around the, 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 the big bads, the, um, the, the fact that you have these super powered heroes that do not hail to a pantheon and you've got very, very large divine problems that, that, that are not very apparent right now, but will quickly become apparent and become part of the forefront of the show in in the next season. Um, in all of that, we will be talking in much more depth about the nature of Patriot, Minuteman, and Vanguard's powers, and the ultimate, the ultimate, um, like end game, and the reason why those powers exist. So that mystery will be cool. solved. You will get an answer to that in season two. Excellent. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna leave you guys hanging with like a bunch of stuff I know I don't tie up. I mean, there's a couple things I don't tie up, but they're not they're not massive. They're just they're just things so that you remember that there's like more to the world after the show's over. I'll have to start a letter writing campaign after season two. <laughs> no. Again. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um. All right. So for now, I guess let's let's tie this off for now, just because there's it won't end. Um. Who are because we? Because Tilly has told you that you have to have a time limit with me. That's why we're going to tie this off. <laughs> no, she actually didn't tell me that this time. Oh, that's surprising. Um, well, it was just that one time. It's <laughs> <laughs> a long interview. <laughs> Interviews with you are fun because I've had the the um I've gotten to do this just a couple times when I was traveling before the zombie apocalypse hit in 2020. Um I got to interview you in person and, yes. and record the interview. That was a lot of fun because I got to see you play some of the characters like um i remember the shift between um rennie and geist that that's burned in my brain. <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah no that um, was that was a very fun interview it was a lot of fun but it went it went long because we just kept just getting distracted and forgetting what we were doing yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> kingery yes kingery Let's talk about Kingery. Yeah. Kingery. This was an interesting Let's season. Talk about the other thing I worked on. Yes. It was, wasn't it? It was, it was pretty wild. Um, a different side of your character this season, I think. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, so, so the, and I, I, I don't think we've really talked much. Like, I know I've been, I've had a plenty of commentary space to talk about it on my episodes, but, mm-hmm. um, I, I, yeah, we um over the last few seasons we've gotten to explore a lot of things about Tithia that I'm really really happy that the 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 writing team was was down to down to handle because um I I wanted the idea of having Tithia really like be a you know pan character uh mm-hmm. she's not human so by definition she's pansexual <laughs> like right. She likes other species. Um, and and uh, I had always been a fan of her and Hebe's chemistry, even when we first started interact, having the characters interact. Mm-hmm. And um, um, so so I was I was really pleased that the team went for the idea of letting Tithia navigate the complexities of polyamory, because I think that non-monogamous relationship types are, you know, they are on the rise. They are, they are not like a new phenomenon. Don't get me wrong. Um, but it is, it's been really nice seeing more and more representation of that in the media. And I was really happy that we got to start exploring that in the Kingery. Um, and I felt like they were like, like, like Pallas and Tithia are a very fun relationship, but Hebe and Tithia are also a very fun relationship. And I was very happy that we got to kind of actually play with that. And especially play with the idea of but what if both the other partners don't like each other <laughs> like what right. if palace and hebe didn't like each other and we were well, like oh, that, that'll be fun let's do that so yeah, this exactly. is the kingery right you can't have can't have it be what, too easy yeah what i thought was really interesting because we've watched or heard tithia growing up for all of these years and she's 
pushed back on people around her for really getting through things in life. Like she needed to handle things about her dad, about her mom, about, you know, all of these things. Right. Yep. But in this season, she's really fighting back for her own, for, for what she wants relationship wise, like how she wants to navigate her life. I thought it was very interesting to watch and hear how she says, you know, this is my life and this is what I want to basically the two people who are vying for her affections, whether they both realize it or not. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Uh, so, so I think, you know, part of it is there was a, we've watched her mature a great deal. And then we also had the time jump that, that kind of set her on the trajectory to meet palace. And Mm -hmm. one of the things I like about palace is that palace is a very, um, level-headed character that mm-hmm. personally when I'm writing Tithia and when I'm playing Tithia I feel like that's very much you know rubbed off on her but in doing so you know we we didn't really see the time that Tithia was off teaching on her own and kind of like being her own person because of, because mm-hmm. of the fact that we were jumping around but um it's to me that's like like as an actor that was sort of the the um the time frame wherein i realized well you know if you're teaching classes if you're actually a, you know a college professor then you've had to defend your arguments to your peers to you know your your upper level uh ac- you know academics and mm-hmm. um and and while we've seen her fight before for things like you know her 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 mad science projects um <laughs> I, I really liked the idea of here are two people that she cares about a great deal. One is the newer relationship that she knows feels very comfortable and, 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 and functional and level-headed and, but at the same time is relatively new. And she, know, and she even said kind of back when Tithia or back when palace was like about, you know, showed up to the Kingery that Tithia was like, I don't really want you here. This place messes people up, but that kind of just showed how much Tithia had space to get away from the Kingery and realized that a lot of her own issues with fighting for herself and knowing what she wants came from being surrounded by all the same people and never really getting to grow up. Mm-hmm. And, and like, so for me, that was definitely the direction that kind of like I, I took it. And when we decided that we were going to let Tithia be Polly, um, mm-hmm. I kind of was a huge advocate for, well, then my, you know, personally, my, my, my philosophy is for a lot of other Polly people is communication is key. And so I wanted it to be that, Tithia uses that that forward nature of hers where she's not afraid to tell people what she thinks to finally, for once in her life, use that for something that's deeply emotionally important to her, which was that she still loved Hebe and she loves Palace and it's important to her that she not have to choose because she's already lost so many freaking people in her life. That's so, true. 
That was, that was the, that for me, that was like, and that was like my pitch to, to the team was I was like, come on, she's lost everybody except like hooks. And that's not really saying much <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like hooks ain't around a whole lot. Like, you, you know, to me, it felt, you know, and also, you know, being a member of the queer community, uh, uh, found families are so important. And I felt like this was just another opportunity to really show that, you know, um, that, that, that people build their families and their, and their, 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 their homesteads, their clans in whatever way works best for them. And I was really, I was really, um, thrilled that the, that the, uh, the Kingery writing staff were all like totally on board with us, with us doing this. Cause it shows two different sides of, of, of how Tithia interacts with people, but it also gave me an opportunity to write a lot of really interesting, emotional philosophical conversations that I've always wanted to have, but didn't necessarily have the, the forum to have them. Mm. Well, it, I, I think it really added a lot to this season. It, uh, it, I, I don't want to say it surprised me, but it was one of those, I, I guess it's in part kind of that aftermath of the whole fifth storyline. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it was because again, Tithy is this character that we've watched grow up. So seeing her fight for herself, it it felt very different than the way she's fought for things in the past. So I thought that was really good that she was fighting for herself and what she she wants for her her life. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's it's one of those things of it's both the blessing and the curse of an ensemble show. Um, you know, I, if I, if we surprised you great, because it's not like, it's not like we had set this up years in advance that like you knew she was struggling to like, we like, we didn't, I, no one ever wrote Tithia with kind of like the bad stereotype that you see about poly people mm. in the media where like they're, they just like, you know, pinball bounce from one partner to the next until they find two that they like enough. And in fact, Tithia's had very few relationships on the Kingery, which is part of why I thought it would be a really interesting story to do it that way, where mm -hmm. here's this character who doesn't really get involved with a lot of people and the people that she does get involved, with, she gets very attached to. And so I wanted to show that, you know, there, there are plenty of poly people in the world who it's not about how many relationships it is about the quality of the relationships you have mm -hmm. and what each relationship brings to, to all parties. So I love that we were getting to do this with someone who had not really been a stereotype. She's always been very emotionally guarded when it comes to relationships because she's not had many. And when confronted with the, the concept of having to pick, she goes, no, I picked the third option. I'm Yep. I'm not going to pick. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, let's see. We've got Avalon. We've got Kingery. <laughs> I think you were just finishing up seminar the last time we interviewed. Oh, uh, yeah, probably. And then I, I, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and handed that off to Vince. Mm -hmm. um, am I missing something? Um, I don't remember. I, I mean, we, I don't think we, did we talk about Dreamnasium my last interview? I think that was after my last interview. 
I don't remember if it was in the interview or not, because I know we've talked about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Darn sidebar conversations. It's fine. Right. Um, gymnasium was definitely a fun listen. That was awesome. And we're going to do another round of it, right? Uh, I mean, that's what I've that's what I've heard. I, I haven't heard anything specific. So um, if Tilly wants to call me and let me know, great. Awesome. More than happy to come back. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I think it, I think it has to do with a lot of other, a, a lot of other factors, um, mm-hmm. that are going on right now, but, uh, yeah. Um, I know, I know that Jeff Thorne has way more stories we could adapt. Let's put it that way. Um, mm-hmm. then, and, and he's been super awesome. And I know I, I absolutely loved getting to do, um, the two, the, 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 the one that I, was a sign that I actually got to do like that was a like my my baby project the the lingering grief of twilight and then I also got to help with uh, with redshift um mm-hmm. so so both of them are phenomenal I like I like the character I, that I got to play in redshift because that's it's so rare these days that I get to play a cop so <laughs> like I don't know maybe, maybe Tiffy could become a space cop in a couple seasons on the kingery because I really feel like like I'm missing my cop days from from shows in in the years past um all right i know that you have and i know i have dinner to do um and you probably have dinner to do very soon as well yes i'm I'm getting i'm getting glared at by by my wonderful writing partner who has gotten hi chris (laughs) hi hi (laughs) just hi (laughs) (laughs) um all right so Real quick, is there anything that you want to, because, um, you know, this isn't enough stuff. <laughs> Are there other things that you want to promote that you can talk about? Uh, so, I mean, right now, Avalon, you know, Patriot is my primary project. It is what I am focusing on. Yeah. Um, but I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. Uh, wild. Um, but uh, but but if you are. Um, if you are in the Orlando, Florida area and you want to know what I'm up to, um, I am frequently in uh, choir or stage performances somewhere around here. So uh, keep an eye on my socials. I normally tell people when I'm performing. I recently just did a, uh, a performance of Hunchback of Notre Dame at Steinmetz Hall. I was in the choir with Chris and we got to sing. And if you've ever seen the musical version of Hunchback, uh, the choir is practically a character. It is some of the most difficult music music that a choir will ever do in a Broadway show. Um, and they are, they are their own sort of voice in the show. So it's, it's a, it's a very fun experience. Um, and then other than that, um, I am working on some fun, uh, home projects. Like I've got a massive cross stitch that I'm working on right now that uh, I will, I'm gonna start posting pictures of it slowly because it takes me a while to get one panel done, but it is relevant to everybody's interests if they like Avalon. And you should tell me when I start posting this thing that you like it. So I keep working (laughs) on it Um, because it's really cool. And where are you gonna post those? Uh, They will be on my Twitter at Genesis Avalon. I will also have them probably on my Facebook if you are already friends with me on Facebook. I do not open it up to anybody anymore just because I don't use it. I, I, I lurk. I'm one of those weird tr- bridge trolls now that just kind of sits there and watches people go by and goes, get off my lawn. Um, <laughs> and then I'll definitely be posting on the discords. So if you were on the awesome. discord, it will definitely be on the discord. So you can see it. Um, so, so yeah, so 
Um, that's, that's mostly what I'm up to right now. I decided to make a uh, Patriot kind of my only, my only big priority for a little while creatively. And then, um, once that is in the can, I am sure I will have more things to talk about that I'm going to be working on. Okay. Just, uh, just nothing that I can really promote just yet. It's not, they're not far enough along for me to promote. Okay. All right. So bullet questions. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> did we do these last time? Uh, no, I don't think we did. Okay. Ready? New experience. Favorite Muppet. Favorite Muppet? Favorite Muppet. Um, uh, uh, Sweetums. Sweetums. I love Sweetums, especially, oh. especially the Muppet Vision 3D at, at Hollywood Studios. I love that you get to see Sweetums. Did you watch Muppet Mayhem? No, not yet. It's on my list. It's so good. <laughs> I want to. I want to <laughs> see it. I, I do. It's on my list. I just, I'm catching up on stuff, but yes. <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, I'm so glad there's more Muppet content. <laughs> yes. Uh, favorite Marvel TV show or movie? Uh, okay, so um, that, that's a hard one because I'm very critical of all the Marvel stuff because I love it so much, but... Mm -hmm. Uh, favorite, favorite one so far, I think is still Spider-Man No Way Home, uh, followed by, I'm a massive fan of WandaVision, massive fan, which is saying a lot because I don't really like Vision as a character. <laughs> I loved both of those. Um, favorite DC movie or show? Uh, oh my God. Well, it's a bit of a, bit of a hot mess over at DC, but, uh, massive <laughs> uh -huh. fan of Wonder Woman. 2017. That's that's my top mm -hmm. top favorite one. Um, Steve Trevor. I love him. I love that man so much. Um, <laughs> but also just in general, I love that movie. I love the aesthetic. I love what they. I love the choices they made. I thought they were all really good. The music was outstanding. Mm hmm. For sure. Okay. Moving on to his favorite Star Wars movie or TV show. Hmm. Okay. This is going to be so controversial. People uh -oh. are going to hate me for this. Um, well, no, they're not going to hate me for this. Cause if I had to go through all of the content out there, Empire Strikes Back is still my favorite Star Wars movie. I will watch it all the time, but you're going to say the um, holiday special, but okay. no, no. But I was going to say, <laughs> if we were going to get into like arguments about prequels versus sequels, I can tell you that I am part of that, that group of people that like the rise of Skywalker the most. Really? I actually really like that movie. I, I, I hate that they had to basically cram what should have been set up in the last two movies at the beginning of that movie. But I like a lot of it. There's, there's, I like most aspects of that movie. I think it's, it, it works pretty well with what it has. There's a couple things that I'm like, no, I don't like that. But they seem to be doing a pretty good job of setting it all up in other Star Wars media. So good job there, guys, I guess. Yep. <laughs> kind of walking backwards into somehow Palpatine returned. It's fine. Um, you know, I'll forgive it. I'll forgive it. I've seen way worse television and movies. It's fine. All right. How about um, TV movie for Star Trek? Star Trek? Star Trek Voyager. Always. That was my Trek. It'll still be my Trek um, forever. <laughs> um, uh, but I will say if I want to make a distinction, for Kelvinverse, uh, Star Trek Beyond is my favorite Trek movie ever made. I love it so much. I know that's polarizing, but it's the only one that feels like a real like tr Star Trek like episode in movie form. Did you watch Picard? Not yet. No. 
Oh, okay. I need to, but it's, it was, you know, there's too many streaming services. There's so many streaming (laughs) services and they all want so much money. And yet somehow writers are striking right now. So that's why I haven't watched Picard yet. (laughs) Well, not enough time now. Now is a good time because new content is on hold. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. Oh my God. Season three. (laughs) So I have heard. Yes. And as a Voyager fan, I have heard I will eat quite well watching Picard. So that's good. Yes. Yes. Also, can I just say I'm really glad to hear that Voyager has like, like received more of the respect it was it like always deserved. Like, I feel like the hate for Voyager has gone away over the years. And I don't know if that's because like my generation of Star Trek fans are now also in the discourse. And so we're like, no, it's not as bad as you guys were saying it was. But I remember like being a Voyager fan when Voyager was airing and just getting like utterly wrecked online for liking Voyager. So really happy that doesn't happen anymore. I think that with the resurgence, with the Trek resurgence, things are being looked at with a different perspective than they were before. Um, well, that, that's good because a new um, nuance exists, folks. <laughs> yeah. DS9 is, I think, much more um, revered now than it was back then. I think back then it was, yeah, this is good. And then some people kind of trashed on it too because uh, this is not TNG. Yeah. And yeah. then there was the whole ds9 versus babylon 5 drama that happened um until major went on babylon 5 and basically said this is just as good and this yes. just as important yes don't and me, don't get me started on my love of b5 <laughs> and uh, there's an animated coming back i know and... i'm aware <laughs> i'm painfully aware <laughs> <laughs> um all right I can almost hear Chris looking at me going, that's time. Yeah, yeah. Like she can't see me, but I can almost, yeah, I know. It's fine, Uh, it's fine. And I'm even getting texts going, hey, are you almost done? (laughs) Okay, so it's not just me now. Now it's- No, 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 no. I have to go get dinner for for everybody. Okay. Joe, um, as always, it is wonderful talking to you. Thank you. It's wonderful being on. I'm so sorry it took so long to get you back on here, but um, we, you know, I'm busy I'm doing stuff. <laughs> yeah. And we, I think it was good that we waited till the end of season one to get, so we'd have stuff that we could actually talk about and not go, well, there's this, but I can't talk about it. Well, there's this, but I can't talk about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. That's part of why we're not, that's part of why Chris is not allowed to do a joint interview with me until the show is over because <laughs> she will spoil everything. <laughs> Like we start talking about Patriots, she's just going to be like, oh yeah, so this thing that I did and I'll be like, shh, that hasn't aired yet. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Your commentaries are fun. It's going to be like watching Benedict Cumberbatch and Tom Holland talk about Marvel films where I walk over and just go la 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 in front of her so she can't say anything. She is the Tom Holland in this case. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Thank you once again. I really thank you for having it. me. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being had. <laughs> <laughs> and we will kick this back to Tilly and Susan. It's over. It's over. It's over. Just the interview is over.
Okay, so remember, every Tuesday we've got Trans Tuesday. Tilly's on Tuesday. Tilly's Trans Tuesday. Thank you. Tilly's Trans yes, Tuesday. The full title, which maybe I did just to hear you say it. It's now. on Tuesday. Yes. That day. Yep. Now you know. <laughs> She's yelling at me. I am not. I'm just yelling. In my direction. No. Yeah, it was. Toward the microphone. Uh, where I happen to be. Whatever. Okay. Go on with things, would you? Also coming out every Wednesday, new episodes of Writer's Block. Coming out Wednesday, June 14th, Henry VI, Part 1, Chapter 1, The Pendant Shakespeare. Hung be the heavens with black, yield day to night. Comets, importing change of times and states, brandish your crystal tresses in the sky, and with them scourge the bad revolting stars that have consented unto Henry's death. King Henry V, too famous to live long, England ne'er lost a king of so much worth. England ne'er had a king until his time. Virtue he had, deserving to command. His brandished sword did blind men with his beams. His arms spread wider than a dragon's wings. His sparkling eyes, replete with wrathful fire, more dazzled and drove back his enemies than midday sun, fierce bent against their faces. What should I say? His deeds exceed all speech. He ne'er lift up his hand, but conquer it. La, 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 the show is almost done. All right, we're done. That should have all been on mic. That was moderately entertaining discussion we had in this between bits. always happens bits. to us. Yeah. We're never going to do this right. Let's just accept it. See, what I was saying to Susan was that when she introduces the pendant Shakespeare and what's coming out this month, she always puts the title of the play or the sonnets or whatever first and then says the pendant Shakespeare at the end rather than the pendant Shakespeare's Henry VI, Part One, Chapter One. So, and then you had a reason for it. It's because it's intimidating because, you know, sometimes like these play titles have Roman numerals in them that I start to get all sweaty about it. <laughs> Henry the Sixth does. There's a six in there, I'm a like, Roman six. Okay, I yeah. think that's a six. All right. And then, so I want to say the hard part first. Get it out of the way. <laughs> get it. And then it's all downhill <laughs> from right. there. That's right. And then I quickly say the Pen and Shakespeare, like, all right. I did it. You made it through three seconds of talking. <laughs> well done. You should host a podcast or two. This is why I'm not an actor. Like, just why? <laughs> I respect and appreciate actors, and I don't want to do it. Same. Thanks. Okay. Be sure to stop by the website, appendantaudio.com. The Facebook page? Yeah, I always say group. I think, no, it's page. Facebook page at facebook.com slash pendantaudio. We're on Tumblr at pendantaudio.tumblr.com. You can look us up on YouTube, but we don't really post much there other than our web series, which is still out there. Active Radio, Active Radio. If you want to watch it, you can go there and do that. And, um, uh, yeah, I think that's all. I don't know. I'm totally messed up. Let's get out of here. Okay. Uh, we'll see you back here next month. This is Susan Bridges. And Tilly Bridges. Thank you for listening. What do you got? You got something for the end? Come on. I think those international listeners yeah. 
probably stumble across an episode of Twin now and then. And they're like, what the hell? Yep. <laughs> sorry, but also you're welcome. Hello, and I'm sorry. Goodbye. If you don't want to listen, you could just go la la la. The theme to TWIP is Mr. Exposition by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 at creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 3.0. The end of the show. At the end of the show. At the end of the show. At the end of the show. That's the end of the show. That's the end of the show. That's the show. The show is over now.